everybody. Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week on the podcast, we're talking with farm manager Stephanie Ballantyne from Chiron, Iowa. Stephanie unexpectedly found herself widowed and faced with the decision of whether or not to continue the farming operation she and her husband Chuck had built together. She made the decision to keep the farm operation going and has never looked back. And she's sharing about her journey and what she has learned along the way. So here we go with Stephanie Ballantyne. Well, tonight we're here in Kyron, Iowa with farm manager Stephanie Ballantyne and family friend. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about you and your life here on the farm. Okay. Uh, it began a little over 40 years ago when I got married. Uh, I was a town girl, knew nothing about the farm. Um, in fact, I'd go to the movies with a girlfriend when Chuck was busy, and then I'd make him stay there until I checked all the closets and under the bed. And <laughs> <laughs> But now I can't imagine living anywhere else. I mean, you just, the solitude, the peacefulness, the quiet, it's, yeah, it's mesmerizing sometimes, and you miss it when you're not there, so... Um, but yeah, so we got married. Um, back then we had hogs um, that he raised from feeder pigs, and then we had crop ground, corn and soybeans. And uh, I worked in town the first three years, and then we started having our children. And so we had the three girls, and then once the first one was born, I stayed home from then on. Um, we always had our separate duties. I always did the book work. And then brought meals to the field, and I was kind of the gopher, go for this, go for that. And uh, he, he took care of everything else on the farm, you know, made the decisions. And we talked things over, but pretty much I let him have his way, <laughs> whatever he wanted to do. Then things did change um, 13 years ago. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer and drastically changed our farming operation, um, it wasn't cancer-related, but he had to have a second surgery three months later, and then we reduced all our ground by a third and um, made everything simpler, more manageable, and uh, that actually changed the direction that our lives went and um, for a good, in a good way. Like he said, it actually made farming fun again, um, and the last 13 years then we had together were a joy um, because there was less stress and we were more focused on what was important. Yeah. Uh, so, and then he died two years ago and uh, then I decided that I wasn't ready to see it all go away because I'd worked here for 39 and a half years too and so I wanted to see it still, be a part of it still. Absolutely. Well, you and Chuck... I've known you my whole life, yeah. and you have always had a heart for serving and for giving back. And now I feel like you're able to give back in a different way. You shared this dream of being able to keep the farm going, and now you have this opportunity to give two young farmers a chance to farm and learn. Sure. Uh, yeah, the guys that work with me are great. They were already working for us when Chuck died, so we already had a relationship um, that was comfortable. And they both said to me, 
we're in it with you. We'll help you as long as you want us to help you. We'll do whatever you want us to do. And so um, that was a blessing because I never did run the equipment and do that type of thing. Um, but I feel like being the bookkeeper, I did know a lot about the operation, but I never picked seed or decided which field gets lime or, or you know, where do we start? Um, so a lot of things like going out and digging in the ground and seeing is the seed coming up and going out and looking for bugs and going out and peeling the husk back to see, you know, how far along is the corn. Those are things I never had done before. And it's actually really exciting. That's the good thing that, or the thing I love most about the farming that you put that little tiny seed in the ground and every year you watch a miracle that it comes up and it's just a blessing that God gives you. Cause I tell the guys, we can do everything right and still not have a crop. But if God will get the crop, God wants us to get. And um, he has been abundantly blessing us. So yeah, it's, it's exciting to see. I love to hear that. <laughs> so, there's lots of opportunities um, for us to talk things over. And every, every morning, six days a week, because we don't work on Sunday, but six days a week, we meet at the shop and talk things over and decide what's going to happen that day. And and uh, so, yeah, it, it's been a good relationship. I think there's always little things you have to get over, you know, and work, talk through, work through. Um, but, you know, in the end, I'll say, okay, this was my decision. If it's wrong, it's wrong, but this is the way I want to do it. And they've been very respectful and, you know, worked right with me. So it's been a good, a good time too. And it's also been a healing time because I think, we all miss Chuck. I mean, and at different times, they missed him too. And so at different times, we can talk things over and or do something in Chuck's memory that is special. And so that means a lot. That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned to me too earlier that you are the farm manager, but you right. feel like it's more of a partnership, like you're a team in this together. Right, right. Yeah. For sure. I tell them we're a little three-legged stool. We each need each other to stand up. <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned that you meet every morning. How how else do you run your day-to-day -day operations as a team? Yeah. Well, that's the main part that we have are always in communication. And, you know, we'll ride out together to look at the crop or to look at things or we'll talk things over. Of course, I mean, now we have an app that Within 10 acres, I know where they're combining, what the yields are, what how each number's doing, all that kind of stuff. And we want to stay current. We want to stay innovative. So we're always, you know, putting a test strip in for this or that and trying things to make it better. You know, we want to we want to do the best job we can because we want to honor what we have and work hard. But I also say, you know, if my banker, my CPA, and my lawyer all agree I must be making the right decision. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, and you, even beyond just your own farming operation, you have said before, farming in general is really a lot of a partnership with a lot of different people. Tell right. more about that. Well, one example would be your local seed dealer. He has an investment in that. That's his business. 
and obviously he wants it to go well. So he wants you to pick numbers that are good for your soil, good for your crop conditions, and he wants them to flourish and really yield because that's better for him in the long run, but it's also better for you, better for the community. And so just the, that partnership, it's you can be really have a great relationship with your seed dealer because you're both caring so much about this. You go down the road, you see the signs, and you're, you're proud of what you did because, yeah, we, we picked the right number. It's doing great out there. You can do the same thing with your, you know, for your fertilizer application, for your anhydrous, whatever it is. It is a partnership because we're all intertwined. And people in ag, they care about each other, and they, they don't want their neighbor not to succeed. They want everyone to succeed. It's the one place where I think it's really generous. Like everyone wants everyone to do well. So that's fun to be a part of because there is a lot of camaraderie. Um, there is a lot of, you know, just good friendships because you know what everyone else has gone through. If it's not raining or if it's raining too much, you know, everyone cares, you know. Yeah, they all share in that yep, same yep. emotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you did find yourself in a unique situation, knowing, like you said, a lot about some parts of the farming operation and then not knowing about others, things that Chuck had always taken care of. So right. how did you quickly learn the other side of the business that you weren't familiar with? Well, I wouldn't say it happened quickly, but, <laughs> okay. but it kind of happened steadily. And we had been farming long enough that we had established relationships with co-ops and with businesses in town and the implement dealers and things like that. And they were all so, so patient with me, you know, wouldn't make fun of any question I ask and just they'd answer it. And then the just the resource of friends and the farming community, how everyone came around us when Chuck did die that year. So the guys harvested about 600 acres of beans for us. And I mean, it was amazing how everyone stepped in, and it was a whole community effort. I mean, your dad was a big part of that, and yeah, it was an amazing thing to see and humbling, and yet, you know, very touching, and you just felt loved and cared for even in the midst of your grief, because they were all grieving the loss of Chuck, too. And so, yeah, it was, God was at work in all of that, um, and at the same time, there are more and more women in ag. So there were women that I could talk to in a different way. I could talk to the men. And at the same time, then there were guys at church or neighbors that would come up and just say, okay, how you doing? Do you need help with anything? And just offer, you know, advice or help or anything. So yeah, they were really so supportive. That's great. I love that about the farming community. Mm -hmm. It's something yeah. very special. Yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about resources that you kind of had to rely on. What were sure. some helpful resources that you relied on in that transition period and probably even still today? Right. Well, other than just the people that you personally knew, um, there are resources out there. Um, this summer, there was a class from Iowa State that was offered in, in Carroll County just for women and an agronomy class. And there were eight classes and anything from checking insects to weeds to how a plant grows. I mean, we went out and dug in the fields every 
time of those eight sessions and learned how the plant was growing. So there was that. There, like I said, there's more women in ag. So I had one, and now I have two seed salesmen that are women. Um, there's women at the co-op that you know will help you with marketing. And in fact, we had gone to a seminar at Iowa State, three of us, and on the way home we said we need to have a women's marketing club. And so that we did, we started it. And so now we meet once a month, uh, not in harvest and not in the summer. Um, but yeah, that has been a great resource. And we've had a lot of different speakers come in and just educate us on the things we don't know about because it's so much is always happening in ag. It's always changing. So we'd have marketing people come where you have an attorney set to come We've had seed salesmen come. Yeah, we've had all kinds of speakers come and just learn so much. Just the 30 different ways you can contract your corn. I mean, <laughs> it's like endless, you know, and do I understand them all? No, but I understand a few of them now. So there's always things to be learning. I so, love it. Yeah. yeah. So putting together this women's ag marketing group was your idea and you're the one who ended up taking the initiative and putting that together. How did you do that? Well, part of it, it wasn't initially my idea overall because there were other women ag marketing clubs in Iowa. Okay. And we happened to go to this women in agronomy class at Iowa State. It was a one-day event where they had different speakers come in. And the local ethanol plant uh, the gal who was my buyer invited me and another woman to go to this event at Iowa State. And so we saw this other club there, and then we heard all these great speakers. Some of them were women, some of them were men, but we learned a lot from just the Iowa State presentations. Then on the way home, we were just so excited about all the things we'd learned, and I said, we need to start a marketing club because there's so much to learn. I mean, I had a whole crop to sell because Chuck died two weeks before harvest. I didn't know what I was going to do, how that was all going to work out, and I knew I needed help. And so I went home, and of course I thought of your mom because I know she does a lot of their marketing, and I just started calling women that I knew that I'd either seen at like a commodity meeting or um, that I knew were somewhat involved in their farm and I said how would you like to be a part of some kind of a club where we met regularly and we tried to learn more about marketing and about ag in general and everyone was positive about it and so within 30 days we had our first meeting and so yeah so that's how it started I guess I I have activator if you've ever done strength finders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I might not always finish every project, but I'm pretty good at starting them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so. Well, so far it's going strong. So yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so what does it mean to you to be a woman in ag? Well, it's kind of empowering. I mean, it is because there's always something new happening and we don't want to be stagnant. We, we, I would say the first year we picked a lot of things. We did things the way Chuck was doing them, for one thing, because he was doing well and he was successful. And why would we want to just throw everything out um, when we were novices at this? 
But at the same time, we don't want to just rely on that because things are always changing. There's always a new chemical. There's always a new seed. There's always, you know, a new government thing that you have to learn and figure out. <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you can't let yourself just be stagnant. You, you have to always be learning something new. And I, that is one thing that I always appreciated about Chuck and the, the people that are around us is that it, it is always something new and changing. And they're not, they want to have good conservation. They want to have good reed, weed control, but they also want to take care of the environment. They, it is a balance. And I think, and I also want to be a good steward of what God has given us. I want to take care of the soil, take care of the land, and I want to be able to have that, hopefully someday, to pass on to my kids. Not that they'd necessarily farm, but that they can respect the land and be proud of what their heritage was. Absolutely. So what does it mean to your kids that you did make that decision to stay here and keep the farm operation going? Uh, they're, they're very proud of me. I mean... We had three girls. Um, they live far away. The closest is five hours, but they are excited to see it. They want me to be here. They want to still be able to come back here and remember their dad and be able to walk around and go sit on a tractor and show their friends or their spouses or their kids, you know, that this is where I came from. And they're all so proud of the fact that they were farmer daughters. You know, they, they thought that was a great way to grow up. And, and it was. It was idyllic, you know, to grow up here. So, Absolutely. I yeah. can totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what words of advice would you have for anyone who might be facing a similar situation to what you have? And you lost a husband and you had to take over a business. Sure. Um, the main thing is to have trusted advisors. I mean, I'm so glad we had a good CPA that we had, and we had a long-term relationship with the bank, and we had a good attorney. I mean, and we had things in place. I mean, Chuck had more of an idea that maybe he wasn't going to live as long as he wanted to, uh, but still his death was very sudden and unexpected. And yet we had talked about those things. We had talked about the fact that um, this wasn't going to last forever and what should we do. So to have those trusted advisors was very, very key. And then also just to give yourself a little time. I mean, initially I thought, no, I can't do this. And then a few weeks in, I was mowing the lawn and I just thought, yeah, but what am I going to do if I don't do this? And is it possible and what would it be like to do it? And it was overwhelming to think about, but yet I really prayed about it, and I just felt like I had this peace that this is the right thing. This is what I'm supposed to do. And however it ends up, I don't know, but I know it was the right decision, and I'm really glad that I did it. That's great. What is the legacy that you and Chuck want to live on through your farming operation? Well, the legacy is a lot more than the farming operation. The farming is what we do, and we love it. And when you are a farmer, you're a part of that land. You're a part of, you know, 300 years of farmers that this country was built on. 
but yet once he was gone and and when you're thinking about how will it be when my life is over it won't be just the legacy of the farm it will be the legacy of faith and character and the kind of person you are it's much more than just what you did that's just a small part of who you are so i hope that the legacy is you know that you need a faith in god that you need to trust him that you need to live for him and that you need to serve him in some way through your local church or however you figure out you're going to do that, that that is the part that will live forever in eternity, your soul in it. What you did will be a value too, but not as much as who you are. Absolutely. Well, Chuck, everyone says, was the nicest guy you could ever meet. Yeah. And you... I don't know why you picked me. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're amazing too. And... It's very cool that you are continuing on something that meant so much to him. And everyone who knows you knows that you have a servant heart and that um, that's always been your key focus above it all. So thank you for being such role models to me and to so many other people. And that means a lot. I'm so glad that we can honor Chuck in this Mm -hmm. way and um, that you're continuing to honor him through through keeping this farming operation going too. Okay, thank you, Dana. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Is there something that Chuck would always say to you or one piece of advice that he left with you that stands out to you on a daily basis? Well, I think one one thing that Chuck would say is that everyone deserves a fair chance. Everyone deserves a second chance. Even if they fail, he would be one that would say, well... I know things didn't go the greatest last year, but I'm just not ready to give up on that relationship. You know, we're going to try again and see. Um, He always was looking to restore relationships rather than to see them end. He also would say everyone needs to be treated with dignity and respect and kindness. He would never just, no matter what happened, he didn't just fly off the handle and get mad about something or yell and scream or he would still want that person to know, okay, I know that you made that mistake, but I still care about you and we can work through this. That's just a thing, you know, that's just a snoot or that's just whatever it is that got broken or hurt or, you know, we'll work through that. But the main thing is you're not hurt and everything's okay and it's not permanent. People first. Yeah, people first for sure. That's great. Well, one last question. What is ahead for your farming operation and and things that you're doing to carry on Chuck's legacy? Well, one thing that we did this summer um, for the first time, we had a pasture golf event and we had uh, 46 people come and play golf and then about 100 people for supper. And we used it as a fundraiser for our local church because we're gonna have a building project coming up. We raised $7,500 toward that building project and uh, Everyone had a really good time. We just went on waterways and around the edges of fields and set up nine golf holes. And um, it was a little bit of work because it kept raining and we knew we had to get the mowing done. (laughs) But it all worked out and uh, we just got the holes set the day before the event. But still, it it worked out and and I think everybody had a good time. and, And Chuck had always wanted to do this. He'd talked about pasture golf over and over and over and over. (laughs) And it had never happened in his lifetime. So we just 
the guys and I were just sitting around one day earlier in the summer, and I said, do you think we could pull this off? And they said, yeah, I think we can do it. And so, yeah, it was really sweet. Uh, one of them rode on a golf ball, Pasture Golf 2018, and went and put it by his headstone. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's one thing that we fulfilled for him, I guess. I love it. <laughs> well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you very much, Dana. Yep. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Well, I am so proud of Stephanie and all that she has accomplished over these past two years. What an amazing way to carry on the legacy of her husband, Chuck, and their farming operation. Be sure to go check out our blog at ruralrevival.co to see pictures of their family and their farm. And she mentioned how the community rallied around her after Chuck died. Well, we have some photos of that on there as well. Huge thanks to Stephanie for being on the podcast and a personal thanks to both Chuck and Stephanie for the impact they've had on my life and so many others. Thanks for listening and we'll be back here next week. Have a great day, everybody.